The sermon passage this, this evening comes from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told, told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you for the word made flesh who has dwelt among us, who has been to us an example of godly living. But more than that, has been to us the true man, the new Adam, the one to come who would take on the sins of the world, who would receive us, those who by faith believe on him, into his eternal kingdom. And I pray that this evening, that these words on this page will come alive to us by your spirit, that we can understand it and apply it to our lives, and that we will be changed forever as a result. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, if you, if you guessed by now, tomorrow is Christmas morning. Tomorrow morning is Christmas Day. And gift upon gift will be given. will be shared with family and friends. We give gifts on Christmas for a lot of different reasons. But, but mainly because we, it's, we celebrate on Christmas Day the, the greatest gift that has been given. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's Christmas season, so we can be a little cheesy. We can say things like this. We can say that he's the greatest gift, and all of these gifts point to him. Because it's true. It's true. He is the greatest gift we can receive, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only is he the greatest gift, he is also the giver. He is the gift, the giver, and the gift that we give to the world. And with this gift comes the promise of the forgiveness of sins. Everlasting life, in communion with God and an eternal kingdom, of which we are co-heirs with Him. But this is also a gift that keeps on giving, as I said. Our Lord is not just a once-for-all gift to His people. He is that. But He is not something, it's not, He's not some punctiliar event in history, and then it's all over. No, He offers Himself, and He offers His benefits regularly to His people. He is the life of the world, not was. He is the life of the world. He is the bread from heaven. And he is never exhausted. His plate overflows. He is the food and drink that we come back to for nourishment time and time again. He's the food that we come back to be strengthened during hard times. He's the food that we come back to to enjoy the taste and enjoy the joy that our Lord gives us. He is the eternal word, the word made flesh that we are commanded to store in our hearts so that we might not sin against him and that we might give life-giving wisdom to others around us. And the church, the church is a place, or I should say a people, the church is a people in whom this gift dwells. The church stores up the promises, blessings, and works of Christ to be given to all those 
who call upon our Lord in faith. And she also provides for us godly examples to imitate, for the faithful to follow, so that they might live lives by the life of Christ. We are to do what the church does. We are to store up the word and promises of God in our hearts, and we are to give that word and those promises to the world around us. And we are to be godly examples of that hope that we possess to each other. Now, if we look with faith at this particular passage in the Gospel of Luke, we can see that the shepherds are heeding a call to worship. That is what they're being called to. The shepherds of of Judea are stand-in leaders. They're stand-in rulers of Israel. They are to be examples of how to properly approach God. In this short passage, we can see a worship service with Jesus at the center. We, too, are given instructions by this passage on how to find and meet this coming King that we so anticipate. Here, in the incarnation of our Lord, in the narrative of the incarnation given to us from Holy Scripture, in God taking on human flesh, we see a divine service, a clear way for man to meet with God, and to meet with Him properly. If the Incarnation does not lead us to worship Christ, we've missed the whole point. Now in the the country of Judea, where these shepherds are from, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, these shepherds working and living out in the fields. They were living or camping and watching the sheep by night. Now none of these details should be overlooked. Again, the Spirit does not speak in vain. He's giving us all this information for a reason. John tells us later on that Jesus is the light of the world. That the world did not comprehend this light. These shepherds are guarding the sheep amidst a dark and evil age. They are faithful shepherds who hear the voice of the great shepherd. And they obey him. If you remember the, the, the parable of the hireling. These men are not hirelings. They cannot be bought. They are invested in the health of the sheep. They need these sheep to live. And in the presence of the angel, who is speaking to these shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them, highlighting this light versus darkness theme. And the angel brings the shepherds good news. He brings them a promise that all of Israel, up up until this point, have been longing to hear. A child was born in the city of David. And he is the Christ, the Lord of glory. Now the shepherds would have known that the city of David is not Jerusalem. right? The city of David is Bethlehem. That is where David tended to his father's sheep. You can see the connection here. These shepherds in the city of David. And this is because shepherds make good rulers. A good shepherd is a good ruler in the kingdom of God. They die for their sheep. They lay down their lives, they serve them, they clean them, they take care of them, they feed them. These are good rulers in the kingdom of God. And these shepherds were those good rulers. They knew their scriptures and they lived by them. So after hearing this good news, after hearing that that their Lord would be born in the city of David, they knew right away to go to Bethlehem. But before they go to Bethlehem, they hear the sound of a multitude of heavenly voices singing and praising God for His glory and the goodness that God shows to man. 
There seems to be a familiar method of encountering God that is being revealed here in this particular passage. This heavenly visitation. We see God sends a messenger to call the shepherds to Jesus. We have a call to worship, to adore the newborn Christ. We see heavenly glory coming down and filling their presence. Heaven coming to earth. We see the shepherds are afraid at this event. They're afraid at the glory of the angels because of their unworthiness and their sinfulness. And God, through his angel, assures them of their safety and gives them the good news of Jesus. That sounds a lot like the absolution that we heard just a few minutes ago. And in response to this news, a heavenly multitude worships God, which is what we are doing this evening. And the shepherds then exhort one another to go and to do what God told them to do. It's what I am doing to you and to me through the preaching of the word. And after seeing Jesus, the shepherds proclaim the good news near, near to where they are at the time. And then the shepherds return to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and saw. We have here a worship service. Now all of us here this morning, or I'm sorry, this evening, I'm anticipating Christmas morning tomorrow, but all of us here this evening, and who will be there tomorrow, approach God in the exact same way, or at least a similar way. The same method. God comes to meet with us. And all of this is possible because Jesus is the central link between God and man. He is at the center, and he is the object of our worship. And these shepherds, in a way, were the first worship leaders of first century Israel. They were showing Israel how to approach the king. They were faithful shepherds who showed how to lead Israel to her Messiah, as opposed to the wicked shepherds that were in Jerusalem at the time. So when God calls us, we are to respond the way that the shepherds do. We are to hear the call. We are to obey it so that we might be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ for the sake of us, for the sake of each other, and for the sake of the world. And these shepherds are godly examples of faithful worshipers who store up the word and treasures of Christ in their hearts so that they might share those treasures with the world. But there is also the fact that Mary is in this particular passage. What to do with Mary in verse 19? She's also important to this particular narrative. If you notice, the shepherds are very active in, in what they do and how they, how they approach this message that they are receiving. They go out and tell everyone. They immediately obey and go to Bethlehem. They're men of action, and they are heralds of the gospel message. But Mary does something different. Mary keeps silent. Now this, of course, does, does have something to do with her vocation and her station in the world. She was a godly and she was a humble woman. The scriptures say that she was most blessed among women. And also one who knew how to steward that blessedness properly. She was wise for her age. Her vocation was mother of our Lord. And that vocation is very similar to the vocation of the church. Paul tells us that the Jerusalem above, the church, is the mother of us all in Galatians chapter 4. 
Our confession says that the church is the gathering of those who are saved, and there is no salvation apart from it. Why? Because in the church is found the Word of God. In the church is found His holy sacraments and communion with Christ and with one another by His Spirit. The Word is Jesus, His sacraments are Jesus, and our communion with Jesus is by His Spirit. Jesus is at the center of the church. And like Mary, the church carries Jesus to us and nourishes us with his word and sacraments as a mother feeds and teaches her children. So like Mary, the church keeps the gospel of Jesus Christ within her and meditates on his word so that she can dispense the promises of Christ at the proper time. Mary doesn't always stay silent. She merely stores up the blessings and the good news of the kingdom for the right time to dispense them. Mary is a picture of the church that carries Jesus to the world. Now this does not mean that Mary is our Redeemer. Of course not. Jesus is our Redeemer. But Mary plays a vital role in showing us the function of the church in our lives. And this is why we are here together this evening. We, are, we have come here to be united together by the same Spirit, in the same name of Jesus Christ, to be washed by the Word, to be nourished with the body and blood of Christ, and to store up the treasures of the kingdom and gospel so that we might share it with each other and the world around us. That is our goal. That is the mission of the church. And the treasure of Christ is Christ Himself. That is the treasure of the kingdom. He is the light to the Gentiles. He is the life of the world. He is the hope of the nations. And in Him, in Him alone, is the forgiveness of sins, the sure hope of resurrection, eternal life, everlasting glory, and a kingdom without end. The treasure of the gospel is the person of Jesus, because all of the blessings of the kingdom and of heaven are only attained through Him. So seek first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be added unto you is true. But where does one find the entrance to this kingdom? Well, our Lord Jesus says, through the door that is himself. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There is no other way to the glory and life of God than Jesus Christ. He is the door into the kingdom of heaven. And God has given us a way to that door. He has presented himself to us with his word and with the rights of the church. He has given us those things so that we might meet him. The worship of the church brings us closer to God. Now, of course, this does not mean that we can only experience the presence of Christ and the grace of God through the church on Sundays. That's not what I'm saying. We certainly experience that through the week, through prayer and meditation on the Word of God, through ministering to one another and sharing communion with each other. We are individual members of Christ and experience His blessings and grace as individuals through prayer and the Word. But it does mean that the normal means by which Jesus feeds his sheep is through his word read, taught, sung, preached, 
and through his sacraments administered publicly. That is where we come together to feed on Christ. Worship is a pathway to the blessings of God in Jesus. Now the question I guess we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe that to be true? Do we look for Christ in his people, in his word, and in his rights? In other words, do we look for Christ where he has promised to meet us? He has promised to be with us. Is this not the bread? Is this not, is this not the communion of the body of Christ? Is this not the communion of the blood of Christ? He has promised to meet with us through his word, through his people, and through his sacraments. Do we believe this? And another question we should probably ask ourselves is, what should be our response to the news of the coming of Jesus Christ? After all, that's what we are celebrating tomorrow. What should be our response to that news? Well, I'd say that we should take a play out of the shepherds and Mary's playbook. Like the shepherds, we are to be attentive to God's word. We are to be ready, you know, ready to obey, ready to hear, ready to act on the word that he gives us. But not only this, but when he calls, we should be ready to follow. God's service to us, this service that we're in right this minute, trains us to go to him when we hear his word. When we hear that call to worship, it trains us to hear God's word and respond accordingly. We're also to exhort one another. This is what the shepherds do as well. After the shepherds hear the good news, what do they do? They respond by telling each other what they are to do as a result of the message that they heard. That's exhortation. And we train in this each and every week as well. We sing the word of God to one another. We sang Psalm 98 this morning. And not only are we singing Psalm 98 to God, we're singing it to each other. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other. That is our duty. We are exhorting one another in that way. We hear the word read over us, as Elder Dormy did earlier. We hear the word preached to us. But it's not just training, either. We're hearing the voice of God through His word. It truly is His word. And we're speaking that word, His word, back to Him and to each other, and that actually shapes our hearts and our minds. We may leave here and think, that this hasn't done anything to us. Right? But give it time. Give it time. This liturgy, this worship, trains us up. It trains our hearts and our minds to receive God's word and to know it and to apply it to our hearts. It's not just training, it's also participation. Third, we're to meditate on the word of God as Mary did. Storing up the treasures of Christ in our heart and preparing ourselves to give those treasures to others. That's similar to exhortation, but it's more receptive. We're to receive those exhortations from your brothers and sisters across the aisle. And we're to store those up so that we might give those to others at another time. And finally, we're to joyfully proclaim the goodness and mercies of God to those around us, as the shepherds did when they returned to their homes. They praised the Lord. They shared with others the message that they had received. What they heard and what they saw, they told to others. That is our duty as well.
So tonight we not only prepare ourselves to meet our Lord, but preparation involves participation. Since our Lord took on human flesh and dwelt among us, and since He has given us His Spirit, we prepare for His coming by meeting with Him. We prepare for Him to come by meeting with Him. Our spiritual worship is both participation and preparation. And this is what children do. We are, we're children of God, after all. This is what children do. They participate to prepare. Children, if you can hear this, if you can pay attention for just a minute. All of the things that you do at home, you do for a reason. All of those things that you do at home, at some point, you will do a more mature version of that on your own. It's preparing you for the world outside of your home. When you sit at the dinner table, you sit there and you do so properly so that one day you know to have proper fellowship with your own family and with your own friends. You do your chores and you work hard and diligently so that you work and build faithfully for your own house one day. You participate so that one day you will be prepared. All of life is like this. All of life is an image of an aspect of our union with Christ that will one day be matured. Jesus is at the center of all of life, and worship is our participation in and our preparation for that life. And as we do that, we grow more and more mature in Jesus. So this evening, I ask that you would store up that life and that treasure that our Lord offers to us. Store it up in your hearts and minds. Receive the blessings and promises of God in faith so that your faith may be made complete at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Obey the call to meet with the King Jesus and be ready and willing to offer His blessings to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.